You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and I've a great lineup for you this evening, including the return of our resident restaurant reviewer, Rachel Keeley, who writes for Food and Wine magazine. Rachel will be in studio shortly to tell us about her latest dining spot. Then we're going to have Eunice Parr on the phone to tell us about this year's RTE Taste of Success. I'm out of my travels and I'll be staying local when I call to see Rosemary Bennis, Sona's health food shop proprietor in her new premises on the square in Newcastle West. And then finally at the end of the show, Valerie Murphy will be joining me in the studio with details about a new cookbook which is going to raise funds for cancer services at University Hospital Limerick. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and it's always great to hear from you. And one guest that it's always wonderful to hear from is our regular restaurant reviewer, Rachel Keeley, who has just joined me in the studio. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Rachel, you're welcome to the studio this evening. Thanks, Sharon. It's great to be here. Tell us where you've been of late. I have been not too far up to Galway, so an hour and a half up the road or so. I went to a French restaurant called Le Petit Pois, the Little Pea. Where did you hear about that? I actually came across it on Twitter, like I often do. Um, usually word of mouth is now being sort of replaced by um, typed words of mouth. And uh, it's the quickest way to kind of get a finger on the pulse about what's going on and what people are enjoying. So people were talking about this lovely French restaurant that has um, a very relaxed ambiance and a very um, authentic vibe. And I wanted to try it. It's a great name. I love the name. It is, and it is. And actually, if you have a look at the sign or the menu or even the website, um, that kind of uh, light-hearted, frivolous kind of fun uh, follows through from the name uh, to the actual design. So they have uh, caricatures um, on the design of the of the, the actual title and the logo on the website uh, of peas spilling out of uh, a little pea pod. So it's all very sort of fun and light-hearted. Not dissimilar to... Um, you know, something maybe approaching a crash or something like that when you approach it outside so you're kind of wondering do I have the right place but once you get inside uh, you realise it's all part of the, the atmosphere and the, the hospitality. Is the brand a bit off the mark? Is that what you're saying quite subtly? It's not off the mark it's just a bit unexpected. Uh, you know the way a lot of these uh, sort of newer restaurants take themselves very very seriously and they have a, a very very ornate and very elegant design um, uh, often monochrome or devoid of really any personality whereas this whole brand and the whole idea of the restaurant is injected with fun. You know, when you go inside the restaurant, it's built in an old coach house uh, in, in the centre of Galway City and it's whitewashed walls, but upstairs they have strung lights, multicoloured lights across the centre. And um, again, that's part of the whole idea of fun and relaxation and uh, it's like an element of sort of frivolous welcome, which is which is nice in an industry which is often too serious. So is it very authentic from a French perspective? Whenever you're inside, do you feel like you are in France, in a restaurant in France, or is that not how you feel at all? No, I would say it's very, very authentic. Uh, certainly, we arrived in, they have two sittings, uh, one an earlier one, so I think we arrived in around half past six, expecting it not to be very busy. You know, traditionally on Saturday evening, a lot of people would prefer to, to eat at around eight o'clock or so. 
um, and very quickly we realised that wasn't the case here. It filled up rapidly and once the whole place was full it just became a hive of chatter and excitable laughter and people you know, looking through wine lists, getting information from the sommelier, uh, getting served their meals, inspecting their dishes with interest. It, it had that lovely atmosphere, that relaxed hospitality that I would have known a lot of in France. And it sounds like people that go there, the diners that go there, are very much into their food and into French food. I definitely got that sense, and I think it's supported by the owners. They change their menu every two weeks, which I think is a very, very good idea, a very good way of keeping locals interested. So every two weeks, a lot of people, I definitely got the impression there were a lot of people around me who go regularly. And I suppose every time, if you go with an entirely new menu every two weeks, you're going to almost a new restaurant every two weeks, and you're getting to taste different things and uh, new ingredients and something that you mightn't have experienced before so I think it's a really good idea um, and I can see why people go back time and time again Tell us a bit about the owners themselves um, So I think it's it's sort of um, it's a family run business I believe it's a partnership that, that run the business um, they're both French as far as I understand uh, she's a graduate of the Alain Ducasse cooking school in Paris which should be obviously very highly regarded uh, and he is a sommelier so he has his W set qualifications or There's a great combination skills there then They seem to have covered both bases quite well yeah, absolutely. And and when you get there, you, you get the sense as well um, that the, the sommelier or so is one half of the owners isn't just qualified, but enthusiastic uh, and, and a lover of wine. And you really get that sense in everything he, in all the information he imparts and in all the recommendations he makes. Um, almost too good. In fact, we hadn't intended to stay, but um, as soon as we got looking at the wine list and talking to him, the car got abandoned and we, <laughs> we stayed the night in Galway. A sign of it, a sign of a good night. A great combination then of skills, of knowledge and... And you'll have to tell us now about the menu. What is on the menu? Um, so the menu is quite large, actually. There's quite a few um, choices to choose from. Um, and they have various different, um, I suppose, pairings and, and set menus. So you, you can choose sort of your normal starter main course dessert or you can choose a pairing menu, um, which is exactly as it sounds, the sommelier recommends a particular wine to go with each, each dish. And it's quite good value, actually. Uh, so you get three courses with matching wines for €52, Euro, um, which we thought was good value and then when we saw the incredibly generous hand that the sommelier was pouring the wines with we realised it's ridiculous value um, it's sort of a case of you know the way often you go to quite modern restaurants and they give you just the third glass just to taste it this gentleman was just liberally pouring it in um, so it's to the point where sort of people were leaving slightly weavy going out the door but very happy nevertheless so I think 52 euro for that was, was quite good value you know Wine pairings can really make or break a meal because in my experience and I haven't done it very often but on one, one occasion in particular that comes to mind was Ox in Belfast and I just couldn't believe how well the wine went with the food and how they complemented each other. It really did make all the difference to the meal. I think it does. I think you're right, Sharon. If it's done right and uh, it's done by somebody who's very, very qualified uh, to do so, I think it can really transform a meal. You know, different wines are, obviously I'm a firm believer in wine with food anyway. I think the, the taste of a wine is transformed as soon as you pair it with any kind of food and it's so important that you know the tastes and flavours don't clash and that the best of both are brought out in each other you know you, you get to really enjoy the wine a little bit more but it also enhances the food um, but what I would also say is I think a lot of it's about the speed in which it's delivered I've been to wine pairings before indeed I did it at my own wedding um, and I find that if you're rushed along it just feels like you've had a lot of wine and a lot of white wine followed by red wine followed by white wine followed possibly by a sweet wine um, and I find that can be a little bit sickly you know um, it just all feels a little bit 
too rushed. So in this case, it wasn't like that at all. It was, you know, you could enjoy your glass of wine with your, your particular dish. And when you're finished, then after a couple of minutes, they'll change it and move on to something else. So it all felt quite fluid and quite natural as opposed to um, sort of flip-flopping between the two, which can happen in other restaurants. Yeah, I did feel in Ox now that I had just the right amount of wine, just the right amount of time that I didn't feel, oh, I have to finish the rest of this because, of course, there'd be no question with me leaving <laughs> any in the glass. I just couldn't do that. As people say, yeah, what, what's this This misnomer, this oxymoron exactly, of leftover yeah. wine? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So I found that every time the next wine pairing was common with the next course, I was just really finishing off the previous glass of wine and it yeah. was going away and the new one was, was coming along or being served which was great it's, it was it's just yeah. perfect it's so important to either do that or in this case where they have a generous pour leave you enough time to relax over that you don't feel rushed um, and, and in this case I think it all worked perfectly so 52 euros and you were getting three courses and your wine what were the courses did you have much choice between what you could order yeah I think there were about five or six options uh, for each which is which is ample you don't want you know a five page menu either um, because that's often too much for a kitchen to handle and, and it's uh, it's usually evident in the food, you know. Um, so it, this, I think, was it was sort of a good limited selection. They had all the usual uh, French favourites, um, of which I chose one, the foie gras. Uh, it had to had to happen, of course. You go to a, fresh restaurant, a French restaurant and you have to try that. Um, and I had, uh, it was quite a generous portion of foie gras. I find sometimes um, you get huge amounts of foie gras, uh, which is almost not needed. So this was perfect. It was just, um, you know, two small discs served with uh, I think it was a sourdough or slightly toasted bread uh, and a little quenelle of quince confit which was perfect to sort of enliven it really really lifted right. the little dash of saccharin which is perfect um, and uh, a fresh salad so it was, it was very very smooth it had that lovely subtle gamey flavour and that buttery texture that, that we all know very very well uh, or we all recognise it certainly uh, and it was paired with an after-eye Loire Valley Chenin Blanc, Blanc which um turned out to be perfect with it. Lovely, it mm. sounds lovely now. I, I it was I lovely. I enjoy that, yeah. Yeah, it was also it was lovely because I spent my a year in college in Nantes, so anything from the Loire Valley always kind of brings back memories. What did your dining partner have? Uh, it was my husband uh, who came with me and uh, he was part of the reason I think we're, why we were persuaded to stay and enjoy the wine instead he's always one for uh, enjoying a night when he can so he had asparagus panna cotta which is something a little bit different never heard of that night before at all yeah it, um, I can't say it was the most visually appealing dish uh, I think I wrote that it was the colour of a 1970s bathtub it had that, <laughs> that sort of green um, and it can I mean asparagus you, you know it's often grilled to sort of bring more flavour to it because it can be you know a, a touch and sip it as a, as a vegetable so made into panna cotta um, it was veering on the side of dullness but it was actually topped with tiger prawns and then they had swirled espelette pepper around the outside so uh, again a lot of thought gone into that dish you know they made up for you know certain elements that might have lacked within the flavour of the panna cotta by adding in these extra bursts of, of flavour and um, it really worked It must have been the prawns that sold that dish to him because asparagus panna cotta is not definitely not a dish if there was foie gras on the menu himself would have to have the foie gras and I'd have the asparagus panna <laughs> so he can enjoy a bit of yours as well as his yeah yes. that's the way it works in our house um, yeah I think it was the prawns there were tiger prawns um, and, and again quite good size and uh, meaty and fresh and crunchy so they um, they definitely helped uh, bring out the dish and yeah I, as you say I think definitely it was the seafood that attracted him to that dish and did he 
have a different glass of wine to go with that? He did. He had um, a Riesling from uh, an Alsatian Riesling, uh, which worked beautifully with it. Um, it. Again, it was it was deliciously dry, which which worked very very well with it. It was just well thought out wine pairing, um, and it was proved straight away with the starters and their and their matches. Whenever you first sat down at the table, was there bread brought? Because you know the way in the French restaurants you'd normally get the bread and I'd be sitting eating it and nearly <laughs> full up to the, the broom, as my daughter says, as opposed oh, to the brim, yes. with eating all the bread because I do love the bread. I think there was, I, I'm trying to remember, I think there was bread and um, some lightly salted butter, um, but I'm very strict because I get full so quickly. So I... have learnt the hard. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, mind you, normally lashes on a bit of butter and sets, sets to it, but um, I have to be strict because normally by the middle of the main course I'm just getting too full and uh, that means I can't do my job very well. So, Well let's move on to the main courses and tell us what you and Anthony had for those. So um, I had duck breast um, it was described on the menu as being cooked sous vide with the last minute sauté um, which is a little bit different you don't see that happen t- too often. Uh, it was presented alongside a crispy polenta cake uh, with some baby carrots and then it was drizzled with a rich soy sauce actually um, which is a little bit different but uh, a little bit of an Asian flavour to the dish um, very very nice the the duck was uh, qu- again quite plentiful everything was quite generous in terms of portions uh, I thought it was a touch dry um, might have benefited from a little less time on the pan um, but it was rescued by the sauce the soy sauce definitely um, added that little bit of extra um, I suppose moistness to the dish um, it was also benefit. it also was paired with a Pinot Noir um, which was uh, a wine that I don't often enjoy I prefer my more full bodied wines but it turned out to work perfectly with this particular dish didn't overpower the flavour of the duck which is obviously the most important thing Whenever I see duck in the menu, it really depends where I am. Mm. Not that would be ordered because if it isn't done right, it's just really bad. So it, is. it is, yeah. And I certainly wouldn't say this was bad. I mean, it still had a lovely pink flavour, pink colour in the inside. Um, you know, so it wasn't overcooked in the traditional sense. I think it might have been the the mix of being cooked sous vide and then getting time on the pan as well. I mean, the time in the pan is obviously very important to seal in the flavours and to get that extra kind of crispness on the outside. Um, but it just all led to that touch of dry. The crispy polenta cake sounds nice. It was, it was. But again, because um, polenta in itself is generally dry, you know, um, I think that maybe those combinations of of the two ingredients, um, they they definitely needed the soy sauce, you know. But the crispy aspect of the polenta cake, the the crisp outside, the texture difference sort of pushing past that into the smooth interior was lovely and very, very interesting. You don't see polenta very often on Irish menus. What did Anthony have? He um, went on to have more seafood. I think he might have been the proximity to Galway Bay that might have uh, inspired all this. But he had scallops, actually, um, in a fabulous sauce. It was a fennel sauce, something that, again, is is quite unusual. Uh, Very, very silky uh, and very, very flavoursome without being too heavy because fennel can sometimes be a bit overpowering. So they they tread that balance very, very carefully. Um, The scallops were fresh, meaty, had a fabulous texture. Um, They were served alongside um, rice which was just shot through with finely chopped seaweed so um, a really nice and interesting in- ingredient mix uh, and then it was served with the viognier if you will pardon my terrible pronunciation from the Rhone um, which worked uh, very very well with it That sounds like a lovely dish It was really really nice what I would have gone for if I had seen that on the menu It was very sort of a straightforward arrangement on the plate and had that lovely simplicity that you would find in a French bistro you know where there's no sort of airs and graces it's about the flavour and it's about the quality of the ingredients and that really came through in that particular dish in, in particular 
desserts must have been just out of this world now tell me what was on the dessert menu pretty much out of the world yeah, out of this world Sharon absolutely um, my big weakness in life would be cheeses in particular French cheeses so it was never in, under any discussion what I was going to be having for, for my dessert they were actually very um, the staff generally were incredibly friendly uh, they were more than happy to do anything that, that you, you needed or you wanted despite being rushed off their feet quite literally um, and when I asked them instead of having sort of a, a normal dessert as part of my pairing my set menu could I possibly have a smaller cheese board absolutely no problem so they brought out this lovely little arrangement of all the usual uh, suspects so Roquefort and some hard sheep's cheese and goat's cheese of course as well um, which I set to with a fabulous earthy red from Corbière which is where my parents live so again it was a, a nice little reminder of, of happy times over there um, and then Anthony had um, a blueberry pie a very very tart blueberry pie and the, the, the pastry was done very very well it was just the right side of crumbly um, Again, nothing particularly ostentatious or incredibly delicately presented, uh, but just the flavour spoke for themselves. And he had that with a glass of Muscat. Sounds lovely. It was gorgeous. It was very, very nice. It was a very um, traditional and uh, invigorating and comforting journey through sort of French flavours and French ingredients and French dishes for the evening. So the bill then was 104. Did you have coffees or anything after that? We didn't. We were too full of wine. (laughs) I'd rather a lot of wine at that point. Um, But it was, uh, I mean, at at that stage as well, a second sitting was arriving and the place was absolutely packed and getting busier and busier by the evening so it's clearly and that all contributed to the fabulous atmosphere as well it was it was one that um, really felt very very homely and very welcoming and very warm physically warm as well of course which is nice on a cold winter's evening mm-hmm. Absolutely yeah you want it to be like that and because the, the sommelier there has all that expertise do they do classes or anything like that? They do they actually do weekly wine classes and I believe they have uh, wine courses where they, you can actually grow and develop um, over a period of weeks unfortunately a bit too far for me to travel for it but uh, if, if they could possibly do it in Limerick I would definitely be be engaging in it. They also have an on-site epicery which is a really good idea because uh, a lot of the times it's hard to get hold of really good quality French ingredients in Ireland um, and they source these all themselves and they use them in their own cooking so if you wanted to replicate one of the dishes at home they have everything on site that you'd need. So is that part of the restaurant or what way is that set up whenever you go in? Is there a separate section that's maybe open during the day but not open at night? I think it's only open while the restaurant's open I believe but when you go in downstairs um, they sort of have a little bar area as well uh, again very very traditional and um, very comfortable so you can go in there and have a drink while you're waiting for your table to be to be ready upstairs and um, so everything is sort of arranged around that they make use of space very well. So it's the Petit Pois in Galway. Do you have an address for it in Galway? I do. It's in Victoria Place, um, which people mightn't recognise, but actually it's just behind the bus station. So uh, it's very, very central. Very central. Mm-hmm. And they're on Twitter, you've said, so people can have a look for them there on Twitter if they are on Twitter themselves and uh, drop them a tweet to let them know that you have featured them on the show this evening. We have indeed. And actually people should definitely make reservations. Um, at the last minute, I, I almost forgot a cardinal rule of restaurant reviewing and I was about to head up there without any uh, any uh, appointment or reservation and luckily I did because I don't think I would have got in if I had just arrived at the door so it's very busy uh, and rightly so and so people should definitely let them drop them a line or give them a buzz first definitely one for the the list the Absolutely. ever-growing <laughs> list an enjoyable list yeah. Rachel thanks for coming in to tell us about that tonight and we look forward to seeing you again next month thanks so much Sharon take care cheers Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter.
Lovely as always to have Rachel here and as you know she's always looking for new places to review so if you do have a suggestion for her be sure to email me the details s.noonan at live.ie and I will pass it on. Still to come tonight, I'm out on my travels and staying local when I call to see Rosemary Bennis, Sonus health food shop proprietor in her new premises on the square in Newcastle West. And finally, at the end of the show, Valerie Murphy will be joining me in the studio with details about a new cookbook which will be raising funds for cancer services at University Hospital Limerick. Now though, it's time to find out about this year's Taste of Success programme which will be back on our screens later in the year for its third season thanks to RTE. And there's a new mentor for Monster this year and it's Eunice Parr who joins me on the line now. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Eunice, lovely to have you on the programme tonight and you're going to tell us a bit about this year's RTE Taste of Success. That's right. I've just recently um, become involved. I'm the new Monster mentor, a mentor for Monster. Yeah, that sounds better. Big shoes to fill. You're taking over from Martin Shanahan. Yeah, that's right. Um, just mixing the show up a little bit this year. So, um, yeah, I'm, um, I'm the female Martin. But you are a Dungarvan woman, so your neighbour there is Paul Flynn, who is one of the, the judges. I know. Um, yeah, I'll have, to, um, I'll have to keep my distance from Paul in the coming months so that I don't unduly um, sway him in my direction. Well, <laughs> well, tell us, when you're out and about now, what are you going to be looking for from the monster people? Well, it's the. I suppose you know we're looking for a little bit of innovation. Well, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for innovation, and um, in Waterford, I feel that we have the most amazing ingredients. So I'd love to see something local being transformed into an everyday product that people can buy in supermarkets all around the country. Because that is part of the prize now. Little is also involved again this year, and the the prize is worth one hundred thousand euros, and they actually get to see their product on their shelves on the know, shelves of one hundred and forty littles nationwide. Yeah, because so many people have a dream, but to bring bring that dream or that product, which you know is, can be a dream, to fruition, it's a huge process, and you know this has been condensed in literally a couple of weeks. So. The support that the um, entrepreneurs, was the food entrepreneurs are getting is amazing. Why did you agree to get involved this year? What was the incentive for you? Um, well, I felt it would be something sort of fresh and exciting. I, I thought that I would have probably had something to offer because, you know, I've started off my own business. I'm very much involved in, you know, or in, interested in food trends. I'm very interested in the process. Um, from you know where, where thought becomes reality and becomes a product. I've worked a lot in the past with Ed Spellman in Country Quest um, in in, so in North Dublin, where he makes a lot of products, and I, I just find the whole process very interesting. And I feel I've got good insight into it. You have a passion for Middle Eastern food, so are you hoping to see a few dishes that might have that theme running through them? Well, it's, um, you know, I don't like to inflict my own passions and my own views on everybody else. But yes, I love Middle Eastern food. I think it's a great treatment of food, you know, very aromatic flavours. And um, it works very well with our lovely Irish ingredients. So yes, for me, that would be great. But it's not something that would be a deal breaker either. Um, but yes, I think Middle Eastern food and Irish ingredients are great friends. and They work very well together. It is a nationwide competition, but this year they're actually casting the net wider. Tell us about the food flight. I know it's such a wonderful idea and such a generous idea that reaching out to the Irish diaspora, I suppose, 
who um, have travelled. I mean, over the last couple of years, so many of our young people and, well, you know, people of all ages have left Ireland. And we're, I suppose we're looking at people who have picked up food ideas abroad that might think would work well in Ireland. And the taste of success are going to fly those people home and allow them to compete in the competition. So, you know, that's just brilliant. Because very often you might think you have a great idea and wouldn't that work really well in Ireland? Well, now, you know, giving people the opportunity to put their money where their mouth is and come home and try it out. A fantastic opportunity to get the free flight home, as you say, and be in with a chance of winning €100,000 worth of prizes. Yeah, and it's also a chance maybe to come home and explore the possibilities that may not have been there five or six years ago when people left. So, it's you know, there's there's a lot of pluses in that. You must have travelled quite extensively yourself to become so passionate about the Middle Eastern food and the Lebanese food. Well, yes, I went to Lebanon a couple of years ago. I went to uh, Istanbul and Lebanon on kind of a food trip, and I was very lucky to spend time with um, Kamal Mazawak, who had started Toilette, which is a very interesting concept. It's a cooperative um, where, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you are, um, or what, what religious beliefs you are, what tribal background you come from. But it's kind of a way for people to, I suppose, discuss ideas and get to know each other through the medium of food. So, And it's mainly women, so different women from different villages and different areas around um, Le- the Lebanon come and discuss their, um, so their food heritage. And they cook, um, everyone cooks on a different day in the restaurant. So um, I was lucky to work with Kamal there, and uh, and to meet some of these wonderful characters and it's funny you know the food is you know in some ways it's very simple it's very you know not unlike Irish food so it'll be something in the future be quite interesting to look at here you know food cooperative where people come from all around the country and cook their their local dish on a different day and every week so maybe something we look for in the future Whenever you came back to Ireland and you started serving up these dishes what was the reaction from your from your diners from your friends and family? Oh, people absolutely love us. Yeah, they they love the way it's it's just to get into people's mindset the way of eating. So with um, Lebanese and with a lot of Middle Eastern food, it's not sort of a starch or main course dessert. We don't have the you know the same way of eating that we do in Ireland and in Europe. It's more a procession of dishes um, over a long period of time. So it's just to sort of get your head around that and around the way of eating and had to plan your day around having this wonderful big dinner with family and friends at the end of the day. It does sound lovely. Is this the sort of uh, dining experience you offer? No, it depends, really. We um, we cater to, not, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but very often for weddings, maybe three weddings occasions for this year, we'll have Lebanese meze. And then, you know, we have other, you know, other people will ask us to do different things. They might have... Uh, have a meze style meal but it will be Mexican food you know where we start off with wonderful fajitas and fried beans and move on to different salads so you know we're, we're very flexible which is which is wonderful because it keeps food very much alive for us and I have um, the opportunity to be educated very often by my clients you know as to uh, as to different kind of food they've experienced or food practices and eating experiences. Well, the West Waterford Festival of Food is coming up now, the 15th to the 17th of April. It's always on in Dungarvan, and you're you're doing a pop-up that weekend. That's right. Um, that weekend, we're focusing on locally produced food. 
Um, it's a fabulous weekend in Dungarvan. If anybody's a chance, you know, get on the website. It's at westwaterfestivalofood.com. It's just, we have so many brilliant demonstrations, talks, restaurants, trails. Um, it's, it's just going to be an amazing weekend to try and come down to Dungarvan. And a lot of Limerick people come down to Dungarvan that weekend. And you do have close connections with Limerick yourself because, well, you went to Shannon. It's just out the road to the college yes, in Shannon. I did. I went to college in Shannon. I have lots of lovely friends in Limerick. So um, I look forward to coming to Limerick all the time. Um, actually, I had great fun there. I think that was my most surprising memory of it. I don't know what to study there. But um, I did, I certainly, yeah, I studied hotel management in the in the college. Um, but I'm a self-taught cook. But the organisational background that I have really stands to me in the area, of, you know, in my specialised area, which is outside catering, which is a completely logistics game. It's not just about throwing it all in the pot and no, dishing it's it up. No, it's kind of army training would really prepare you for Army something. training, yeah. <laughs> But that's a good tip now. That's a good tip. Now, before you go, do you have any advice or tips for people that are thinking about entering a dish into the RTE Taste of Success? Yeah, I say, you know, the big thing with food is don't overthink it. You know, if you have a great idea, keep it as simple as possible. And uh, and don't don't overthink it. That's my that's my main. um, That would be my main advice. Keep Keep your ideas simple. Okay, well, hopefully now you'll bring the crown back to Munster. We had it here in the first year. JP Mahan stole it away last year to Galway. So best of luck with it. And I'm I'm sure you'll pick a winner for us, Eunice. Well, thank you very much. I hope so too. I'm very, um, I'm very competitive and very ambitious. So um, yes, hopefully we'll come back to Munster with, with our medals. We'll keep our fingers crossed for you. thousand euros. Yeah, exactly. And thanks for talking to me about okay. it tonight. That's all, Sharon. Thank you very much. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste with me, Sharon Noonan. So far in the show tonight, Rachel Keeley has reviewed her latest dining spot. And just before the break, I was on the phone with Eunice Parr, finding out more about this year's Taste of Success, which will be on RTE later in the year. Don't forget, if you missed any of the show so far, it will be up on the podcast later in the week. And you'll find it on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or use your podcast app on your iPhone, your iPad. We still have details to come tonight about a new cookbook that is raising money for charity. But before that, I've an out and about interview for you. And this week it's with Rosemary Bennis, who owns Sona's Health Food Shop in Newcastle West, County Limerick. Rosemary recently relocated to the heartbeat of the town and I met her in her beautiful new premises on the square in Newcastle West. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Rosemary, it's great to be here in your brand new shop. It looks fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks, Sharon. Great to be here. Yeah. You're happy with the move from down the other side of the the town? I am indeed. Yeah, it's a great move. Yeah, we see a lot more footfall. We've a lot more exposure and we can show off what we do more. Plus, it's a lovely sunny unit, so it's great. Well, the first thing you notice whenever you come in to the shop is this fantastic coffee machine that you have. And a lot of people might think coffee isn't the healthiest 
item to be drinking of a day, but this is very special coffee that you do, especially designed for you. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And we have a really gorgeous coffee machine, actually, which attracts its own attention. But yeah, I mean, nobody wants to be supping coffee all day long and getting dehydrated, but having a good cup of coffee made from quality beans, properly made, actually has a lot of benefits, and it's, it's a lovely social thing as well. So we, um, we offer Coffee Culture, which is an artisan um, coffee bean roasted in Dublin by Alan Andrews and it's fresh batch roasted which is actually really key to it so every uh, what the coffee we're selling this month was roasted at the start of the month it's so fresh sometimes we actually have to let it settle until the machine can take it um, a beautiful Arabica blend it would all be very ethically sourced organic as well and it's just really lovely coffee and the proof is in the tasting so people are loving it um, and we mix the usual you know Americanos or lattes or flat whites whatever people want and Alan Andrews at Coffee Culture has a coffee training academy now I believe he does he does and this is actually worth noting for someone who's just into coffee you don't have to be a professional barista or in retail or in a cafe you know situation if you just like coffee and you want to know more about how it's made and how do, how do you make a good cup at home you can go and do a day's training and he's now opened um, a cafe and training school in Bird Hill next to Math Thrashers it was formerly Browsers Furniture some people would know it it's a lovely venue and in due course it's going to be a cafe for now it's a training school and you can go there for a day's training and it's actually great fun and it, a lot of people do it or people get it as vouchers for as a gift for the coffee lover in their life. And you and your team have all been there, so they're all very accomplished now at making the coffee here. Yes, we are, yeah. It was a big new thing to us, but obviously you can't deal with um, beans of that grade and a machine of this quality without knowing what you're doing. So yeah, it was very important, the training, and it's ongoing training. And one thing that's great with our our contract and relationship with Coffee Culture is that we, we have ongoing training as we go. So we keep on, you know, refining and getting better because we're learning as we go along so it's very good yeah the, there's a real formula there's a real recipe um, it's very specific the weight the time the temperature of the water the temperature of the milk it's every, every detail is looked at and that's what makes a very good cup of coffee and that's the difference between an average cup and a very good cup and you do the takeaway as well as sit in. It's very important to let people know that. Yeah, we do. We have three little spots here where you can sit in and it's lovely and then if you just want to take it with you and have it at home or on the go and you're also doing takeaway food you have soups and salads we do we do we have a very good cook Ali Ray in Drumtrasna she would some people would know her from the uh, Red Door markets and Listol and um, Abbey Field markets before so she now cooks for us so she makes really good salads and uh, soups every day we do curries on Friday she uses the green saffron spices um, so it's yeah lovely very good produce she, she would source a lot of her ingredients from local growers so Helga and Abbey Field the organic College, John Morrissey, Drum Trasna, they'd all be suppliers, plus here at John Clifford in the Square. And uh, yeah, she has a great way about her. So we work together and she produces lovely salads and fresh soup. And the soup thing as well, what's nice about it is it's a homemade fresh stock. So there's no bouillon, there's no added packets, there's nothing added. It's And that really comes through in the flavour. And on the menu today, is there a bone broth of some description? I think I saw that, or you have had that, because yeah. that's, that's hugely popular at the moment, so nutritious and healthy. Mm-hmm. It is, yeah, we have. We, we didn't have it today, now we have curry today, but we often have a chicken soup or chicken and rice, and Ali will use a bone, chicken bone broth in that. So if it's a meat-based soup, she'll put a bone stock, and a veg-based, she'll have her own veg stock. So yeah, we do, uh, there's a beef one and then there's a chicken one. So it varies every day. Keep an eye on our Facebook page, because we post the menu every day. 
that's very handy for mm. people to see that then because it draws people in I would imagine yeah. yeah particularly people who are working or passing by every day you don't want the same thing every day okay the other thing that we notice now directly across from the coffee station is the huge fridge that is stocked with lots of lovely artisan food produce that we can hear it purring away in the background there and you have lots of really fantastic lines in there that people might not be aware of Thank you. Yeah, we do. We do. And it's it's great now that we've got more exposure here in our new premises that we can show off stuff and goods and products better. Um, so, yeah, we do. I'm looking over. We have pizza bases from a Dublin company, Da Piero. We do, um, they do a sourdough pizza base, so it's properly leavened. And even though it's a, it's a wheat, now it's a very good quality wheat flour, but because it's properly leavened and fermented, it sits very well. So people who might find pizza doesn't suit their tummy actually get on really well with this one and it's a great one cooks fresh cooks great from frozen we do quite a few meat products now because there was you know i was interested in showing off like really good quality meat so caroline rigney from curry chase down the road her pork products are here um, we do the McCarthy's from Kenturk and also we're, a, we're an outlet now for, for the Real Meat Company, or sorry, Real Meat Cooperative that's um, two North Cork farmers who drop off here to us frozen meat according to your order, so they have very very good quality um, Dexter beef, pork lamb and a whole range so call in, we have the leaflet or look them up online Real Meat and you literally put in your order with them and then Connor drops it off here and you pay us, so it's very straightforward once, you can do it once a week um, but our ready-to-go items, we do the Happy Pair. They're well-known and continue to be loved now. Um, the two mad twins from Greystones in Dublin. I know, we don't really see them much, but they're great. They run a great ship. And uh, what else do we do? The salads fresh from Drum Trasnes Organics or the Organic College in Drum. Um, we do sauerkraut, which is another top sort of um, getting good publicity food at the minute. It's a really helpful fermented natural food, for good for digestion and your immune health. And so, yeah, there's lots there. We cater... You know, special diets are always catered for, and then it's just generally well-produced, good food. Yeah. In terms of local cheeses, then you've O'Brien's cheese. Jim O'Brien is would come in every now and again and do a tasting for you. That's right. Jim is great. Yeah, fantastic farmer who a year and a half ago, and it's only a year and a half, decided he wanted to do something different and 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 cut a niche for himself and makes a really good O'Brien's cheese from Ballyhahill, which a lot of people now know. Um, so he does like uh, varieties of cheddar, and he does a brie as well. We don't stock that so much, but mostly the cheddars, spiced, aged, um, herbed. And he's coming this evening for our launch. He'd be here to do a tasting. And Jim would often have open days at the farm, so people should look out for those and take a visit out to them, because if they're based in West Limerick, it's only a few minutes from Newcastle West. That's right. It would be actually a lovely day out. That We'll certainly keep our customers notified, because we have plans ourselves to go to Jim this, this spring when he sets up, next month actually. So we'll again, we'll put that on our page. Um, another grower, somebody else, would be um, Eileen O'Sullivan's in, in um, Black Arda, Hill, Black in Hill. Yeah. yeah, come the summer months. She does a kind of come and pick your own. So that's another option. You're right there are lovely places within the locality of people doing lovely stuff and you can go and visit absolutely <coughs> one other product that i want to draw people's attention to is the silver darlings herrings which recently won an irish food writers guild award and you're a stockist for it yes that's right yeah i personally am very excited about this product because i love herring and it's hard to get it so yeah beautiful product made in hospital i believe um by kirsty and um, it's like a pickled um ready to eat chopped up chunks of fish but it's great great alternative to tuna uh, works great for lunch have it in a salad make it as a nice starter if you want to do something nice for dinner it's a beautiful product and so nutritious and gives you that lovely and a lip smacking taste 
Absolutely, and there's no bones in it. Some people might think that it's it's a bit of a bony fish, but it's not. There's no there's no bones in it. They dissolve in the pickling process. That's right. Which actually like. adds to the nutrition even more so. So that you know that's what the lovely thing about preserved fish like that is. Their their mineral content is huge because of the softness of the bones in them. So on all aspects, but primarily taste. It's got to taste good. It's a great product. Yeah. The other range of products that you do would be gluten-free products. Tell us about some of those that you have. Yeah, we've always had a lot of gluten-free um, this was demand because it's becoming more and more of an issue for people who would have digestive issues but um, yeah here now in the, in the serve over counter we have an opportunity to actually showcase more of our range so we do a lot of the grain free pantry who that's a company belong to Mary Ryan in Tipperary and I came across her myself I started getting it for myself and then I said why don't I just get this for the shop and she does fabulous baked goods that actually you don't have to be gluten free for but they just happen to be gluten free so she bakes a lot with almond meal coconut flour flaxseed she uses really good eggs local honey coconut oil and makes delicious cakes so we have like the top seller would be our date and walnut bread which is like a tea cake um, the paleo bread which is an almond bread and we do also her lovely little protein balls um, coconut truffles mixed nut truffles date and orange bites I mean just delicious stuff but the lovely thing is it's really nourishing so it tastes great but you don't feel sickly sweet after it and um, sits very well so it's a nice thing to bring home to someone where you know there might be a special diet in the house because this will please all you must have noticed a huge change in trends over the years between people suffering a bit more from these different food allergies and food intolerances i have i have it's 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 really big what i notice really is what's pronounced now is children babies and toddlers and there's a lot going on for them because i suppose the chain of dysbiosis if you could call it that the chain of dysfunction in us as generations goes on it affects our little ones and it's it's hard it's quite sad actually I find it quite hard it's, it can be kind of emotional to deal with sometimes because you do anything for your little one and when you see that they're not able to digest uh, or tolerate the food you're eating it's very upsetting for a family so we do see a lot of that. The good news, that's a sad bit, but the positive bit is that there's so much you can do. There's so much you can do to remedy mum's diet, to remedy child's diet. Um, it's, you know, there's an, it's very tangible, actually, what you can do. And the knowledge now is phenomenal. The research is phenomenal. Um, ten years ago, allergies were just... I mean, really even, and that's not that long ago. Like I'm in business 14 years ago, but even 10 years ago, it was seen as kind of quackery and odd, and you just had to put up. But now, it's very much recognised that you know, our guts are overloaded with foreign bodies basically and irritants and, and, and pollutants and toxins and that's what's behind the explosion of food intolerances and food allergies now, and there is a difference as well for people to know between true allergy and intolerance what's more common is intolerance but um, we certainly like to cater as much as we can, in fact all at our food counter now really practically everything, the odd salad maybe, but most things cater for a gluten and dairy free diet but they taste great and it just we, I love to show people that there are so many options out there you don't have to suffer in silence and you can you know, regain your health and the health of your family with a bit of knowledge. You know? and, and it is very evident, talking to you, Rosemary, that you have this passion and lots of knowledge and expertise that people can come in and tap into. Well, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I am. That's, I love it. I wouldn't be doing this otherwise. Retail is hard. Do you know, it's shopkeeping isn't easy. Um, but I do love it. I love what we sell and I love what we do. And that's the, that's the prime reason I would get stuff in stock is like, oh, God, people will love this. Or wait, let's show someone this. Or that might suit that customer. Or, you know, this kind of it's it's an interaction. And so, I, yeah, that's really what we're all about at Sonus is 
trying to find match the best thing for you be it a supplement be it a food that suits you and takes you where you want to go so yeah a fabulous new shop new layout everything it's, it just looks super so congratulations and continued success thank you Sharon it's lovely to talk to you thank you very much you're listening to the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break you heard me meeting Rosemary Bennis at her new premises in the square in Newcastle West, County Limerick. And earlier in the show, resident restaurant reviewer Rachel Keeley was in studio sharing her thoughts on her latest dining spot and RTE Taste of Success mentor Eunice Parr was on the phone. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the full show later in the week on the podcast, which is on soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show or subscribe free of charge and download it on iTunes or use the podcast app. We're at the final interview of the evening and it's with Valerie Murphy, who has details about a very exciting new cookbook that is raising money for charity. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Valerie, you're very welcome to the studio. Thanks for coming in. Thank you, Sharon. And I think we should say you did bring a very handsome little man with you. He's sitting there beside you very quietly. We're not going to ignore you at all, Frankie. We let you say something at the end, OK? Oh, wow. <laughs> but you have to listen very carefully first, OK? That's the deal. Yeah, boy, he's going to be boy. very good, aren't you? Valerie, the cookbook for cancer services at UHL. How did this all come about? Um, right. Well, there's a lady called Alice O'Farrell and Alice um, got breast cancer a number of years ago and she's a real go-getter. She's one of these people that even though she was going through chemo and everything else, she said she wanted to give back to the hospital because she had got such great service from the breast clinic in the University Hospital Limerick. Um, you know, she'd got great... Um, uh, support from you know Professor Gupta from the breast care nurses etc and she just wanted to give back and um, so she created a calendar at the time and between the jigs and the reels the calendar actually uh, the, the fundraising from the calendar was 76,000 euros oh wow, that's a serious amount huge of money huge amount of money and she, she she managed it basically by putting together a calendar of a number of, of, of women in Limerick um, obviously it went out for that year there was a limited amount of time for when it could be sold because it's calendar and uh, with that then um, she contacted lots of different companies uh, lots of big and small companies and asked them to take boxes of the calendar to sell and they did and it was a huge success and it's made such a difference 76,000 is such a lot of money it's made such a big difference to the hospital so um, that was so she's five years uh, it's five years since her last chemo and um, so she's a five year survivor as she calls herself and she decided uh, we were at the butterfly ball for the Midwestern Cancer Foundation last October and um, she, she got chatting to Professor Gupta again and he said to her well why don't you go and do something again Alice you did so well the last time and so she called me up a few days later and she said would you like to be involved in this project and there we go and why did you decide to get involved so I um, I have a service where I work with women who have had breast cancer surgery and I provide the breast prosthesis and mastectomy bras to women I'm based in Eskeaton and I do home visits all around Limerick and um, all around the city and county and outside the county as well so that's what I do so I have a breast care service 
and um, so and I'm involved, I've been involved in a number of different projects over the years so when she asked me I didn't hesitate because I just thought it was such a great idea and I knew with, that she had done so well before that I knew I was going to be working with somebody who was really good at what she did and I thought I could learn from her and I have it's been it's been amazing actually it's just been such uh, an amazing la- five months because this happened we'll say back in October after the butterfly ball and we had a ball last Saturday night in L- the Limerick Strand and that was money um, raised as well for the University Hospital Limerick and um, the book was launched on Saturday night and uh, so we now have the boxes we've got many boxes that need to get out there and um, and need to be sold so it's 20 euros a book Okay well let's talk about the book yes. and the contents of the book and the recipes in it. Where did the recipes come from? Right, so basically we contacted um, a a lot of restaurants and we have 51 restaurants in the book. Um, So we're saying there's one for every week of the year and then you get a takeaway at the end lots of West Limerick uh, restaurants we've got uh, the Woodlands we've got the Dunraven we've got Ara beautiful Chinese restaurant here in Newcastle West um, we have many many restaurants in the book so basically when you open the book you've got you've got a picture of the dish um, that was created by the chef you've got the recipe to follow and there's some great ones and some simple even I can do it and then you've got a, a photograph of somebody who might have been involved in, in breast cancer or in, in cancer in general because it's, it's all cancers now um, for the University Hospital Limerick because this, it's, it's fundraising for cancer services which would be the Midwestern Cancer Foundation and the Symptomatic Breast Clinic. So it's, it's the two of them that it's, the money's been raised for. I always think it's very important with a cookbook to have very good quality photographs of how a dish is supposed to look so that whenever you do attempt it yourself you're going in the right direction. You had a photographer involved who went out and took all the professional photographs of yes. each dish. We had about six or seven photographers involved. Um, Cormac Byrne did the front cover. Uh, he was very involved. Eva Bird, Thistle, many um, photographers, all all volunteered. This is the thing. This, this is what I've loved so much about it. Um, so many people became involved completely. Of like, We got phone calls from people saying, can I get involved? You know, and voluntarily, nobody's looking for money here. It's like everybody's doing it from the goodness of their own heart for this great cause. You so. mentioned there that there's some simple dishes in it, even yes. simple enough for yourself. <laughs> yes. I have no knowledge of your culinary skills. <laughs> not so great. I'm not in a position <laughs> Thank to you comment on that. <laughs> Tell me what your favourite dish is in the book. Oh, well, my favourite dish is actually one of the desserts. And it's chocolate, so it's it's uh, it's it's pretty nice actually. And then there is the fabulous Chinese dish from Ara in here in Newcastle West. There is um, oh, there's just so many. There's Italian. There's you know regular French cuisine there's everything it's, it's just there's a huge array of um, recipes in there so there's some challenging dishes as well there's I'm a few sure. challenging but there's a few quite simple and really tasty as well and you know you'll feel that you're actually eating in the restaurant because you've got the you know it's the actual chef from the restaurant the Strand is in there you know there's, there's lots of different hotels in there Castle Troy Park there's fantastic hotels and restaurants in there well so give me an example then the Strand Hotel is in there is there a photograph of Tom Flavin the executive 
executive chef. There is. And, and is there another kind of personality? Keith Duffy, them? actually. Oh, wow. Keith Duffy, because he was part of the organisation with the ball. Okay. And um, he's a great supporter of Cleaners Foundation, which part of the proceeds from the ball went to Cleaners Foundation, which is a children's charity. Um, so, so many people involved. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's great. It sounds like a fabulous book now. And um, for 20 euros. It's only 20 euros. 51 recipes. So you can get it on the website as well. There's a website, uh, www.thecookbook.ie. Um, or we're hoping to get it into the companies, obviously. I'll be contacting companies all around the Castle West. So if you're listening, you can contact me first. <laughs> Absolutely. How many are you hoping to sell? Um, we're, hoping, we're hoping to... Uh, be, uh, make more than, than the calendar made because you always want to do better than the last time now it was Alice that just did the calendar the last time there's a few of us involved in the, in the cookbook but she's the main person and uh, so she she set a figure of 100,000 but with the with the cookbook the cookbook is indefinite so you can buy the cookbook yes. anytime whereas the calendar was limited mm-hmm. you know so um, I think there's great scope with the I mean I know I'm going to have boxes of the books in the back of my car for the next number of years because it doesn't matter how long we sell them for you know but we've ordered quite a lot we've ordered thousands okay. so we need to get them out there absolutely when they go to a business then so say there's a dozen in, yes. in a box you go into the business with that dozen and you yes. leave it there and then you come back later to get the absolutely. money absolutely yes. and, and, and maybe take back one or two that aren't sold yeah, well, if, yeah. if that or is because, yeah because they're kind of you know they could be sold in a year's time even you know but we're hoping people will just buy them now because it's such a great addition to any kitchen yeah absolutely you know? well it looks like a great book and um, well done on all your hard work and it's been great to everybody that contributed like, to it we've all said it there's, there's a number of us involved and say Alice is the main person but as I say the support that we have got has just been overwhelming it's just been so fantastic can't tell you how much you know that you can get out there someone gets an idea and that this happens it's just overwhelming the great great support we've got from people well, well done with it 20 Thanks. euros the cookbook.ie all yes. the contact information is there and before you go Frankie tell me is your mummy a good cook yeah. Big yes. Have you had a look at this cookbook? Did you see any nice recipes in it that you liked the look of? Chocolate. Chocolate. And you'll come back again soon, Frankie, I hope. Valerie, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, Sharon. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleiter. Sadly, that brings us to the end of tonight's show, which will be on the podcast later in the week. Soundcloud.com forward slash food dash and dash drink dash show. Thanks so much for your company and to all of this evening's guests, Rachel Keeley, Eunice Parr, Rosemary Bennis and Valerie Murphy. Until next week, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.